You're listening to the Bill Shaves Podcast, presented by Midco Sports. Ring in the new year with University of North Dakota Athletics on Midco Sports with live broadcasts of Fighting Hawks hockey and basketball throughout the regular season and postseason. That's Midco Sports. This is how we do sports, and this is the Bill Shaves Podcast. All right, welcome to another edition of the Bill Shaves Podcast, the first in 2023. Yes, we're taping this on a Tuesday morning, the 10th of January. Bill Shaves, Alex Heinert, and special guest, Summit League Commissioner Josh Fenton. Josh, thanks for being on board this morning. Yeah, thanks for having me, guys. Good to see both of you. Great to see you, Josh. And, uh, we, you know, we started thinking about this late last year in 22. You know, we want to try to bring in a guest and make it really simple for the guest. Three quick questions. It could last three minutes. It could last 13 minutes. It's really up to the guest. So, so with that, we appreciate you being uh, the first one out of the gate. Yeah, happy to be your first guest in uh, 2023. As we've as we've closed up the college football season for 2022-23, uh, I guess. Yeah, officially. Yeah, last night college football playoff, close game, tight. Yes, nail biter all the way to the end. <laughs> oh. Yeah. So, Alex, I, you, why don't you start first? That sounds great. So the concept, yes, three quick questions for our, our celebrity guest. And again, we appreciate Josh being on board this morning. I guess first, and maybe the most obvious one, Josh, you're halfway through year number one. As Summit League Commissioner, give us the state of how things have gone for you so far in your first year in this chair. You know, Alex, people ask me, you know, they don't quite know, how long have you been in this job? Now, has it been a year? Has it been a half a year? And it's an interesting reflection for me because... I was actually under a contract of some sort on January 1 of last year. And here we sit January 10th of 2023. So I guess in general, it's been a year since there's been some level of a contract. But as, as you two know very well, I finished out the hockey season uh, with the NCHC through really kind of the middle portion of April and then kind of did a full transition to the Summer League. But working on, I guess, both entities, um, opportunities for the three months leading up to that transition. But, you know, to answer your question, Alex, um, I, I, I found it very, very rewarding. I have found it very, very challenging. Um, and, and lastly, I've, I found it very, very fun. Um, you know, our, I'll go to the challenging aspect and, and also part of the rewarding aspect is, you know, our industry is dealing with quite a bit, as, as Bill knows very well. Uh, right now, just nationally across intercollegiate athletics, a lot of change, uh, transformation committee, new constitution last year, uh, likely more things still coming, um, discussions with Congress. Obviously, we have a new NCA president that will start and Governor Charlie Baker. Um, and so there's just a lot of transition and a lot of uncertainty across the industry. And what has come of that for people like me in commissioner roles is spending quite a bit of time on trying to forecast and look forward and say, OK, what does this world maybe look like in the future? And then for for the, the people that sign my paycheck, how does that translate to Summit League institutions and Summit League sport programs that that we sponsor and where is our place in the Division One world. And so that has been really challenging. Um, but at the same time, it's been really rewarding and uh, very different from kind of working on the hockey side in the single sport world, which um, I love to death and probably could have done until the end of time. Um, but you know, when you work at the multi-sport level, I think you tend to be a bit more involved in more national discussions, which I think I underestimated, to be honest with you, um, when I got into the role. But I spend probably a good 
oh, I suppose if you put a percentage on it, it's maybe 25 to 40% on, on nationally related items that ultimately come back to what's the impact on us locally at the Summit League. Um, but that, but that, that part has been, been a lot of fun, uh, been rewarding, been challenging. And then, you know, just learning a little bit um, and getting up to speed on the operations of a, of a multi-sport conference. Uh, a lot of similarities to single sport. Um, I, I, I believe it all comes back to communication. You're, you're here working on behalf of the members. The members and you as the conference staff and commissioners set course and direction for the future. And then the conference is expected out to carry that carry out that course and direction. And so that's similar to what we did in the NCHC, but, you know, trying to manage across different um, sports, um, you know, more substance financially and otherwise structurally with our staff um, has been challenging and different compared to a single sport conference. Um, but I've really enjoyed it. And so you know, we made the transition as a family to Sioux Falls in, in the summer. Uh, we have three, three boys that are a grade school age and they've been in school and we live on the east side of Sioux Falls. They go to Brandon Valley School District and, you know, they've gotten settled in sports. And so the Fenton family is in a good place. And, you know, I think I'm in a, in a good place professionally. And so really enjoyed working with people like Bill and other, other people across the summer league. So Josh, let me just uh, ask you question two, but it's relative to something you said in your answer in question one is so as we record this on Tuesday morning, 11 a.m. Central, uh, I'll be on a plane tomorrow morning to San Antonio to the NCA convention. You'll be there as well. We're going to have a summit league meeting on Thursday morning, and then we hear a lot about maybe what the transformation committee did or did not do at this stage of the game, if you had a crystal ball right now and we're five years from now, what does division one look like for, for schools such as university of North Dakota and the Dakotas, et cetera? Well, first off, that's a, as you know, that's a very hard question to, to answer. And I think if we had this podcast 10 years ago and you asked those types of questions, I think people can look out and say, okay, this is where I think is what's coming. And maybe they would be more accurate at that time. I think just given the uncertainty that I talked about that 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 question becomes more challenging. I, I would say this, I would say that you know, whether it be the University of North Dakota or the other Summit League member institutions, I think we're appropriately positioned based upon the commitments you all make to the Division One experience. That I would say is at a relevant, appropriate level. We understand the stratification that exists in Division One with 350 plus institutions that compete under the Division One tent, and there's a commitment that's been made. I think initially out of a kind of auspice of a new constitution, but maybe more importantly, uh, specific words that were written in the Transformation Committee report that committed to the big tent that that Division One overall, as we know it today, <clears throat> excuse me, should continue to be Division One moving forward. Now, having said that, we shouldn't rest on our laurels and say that what we're doing is right and good and we don't need to make change because the transformation committee and i think a lot of us within the summit league room would agree that we do need to elevate we do need to elevate in areas regarding student experience in particular their health and their well-being their academic experience uh obviously their their sport experience and so you're seeing a lot of recommendations um, membership expectations that the Transformation Committee hopes to become membership expectations in the future in that vertical of student-athlete experience. 
And then you're seeing things in championships. You're seeing things in governance. I think it ultimately comes back to how do we elevate the student athlete experience? And so I'm bullish on the Summit League and I'm bullish on our member institutions having uh, a strong place within Division One within the landscape that we sit. And I always use that as a qualifier because people say, okay, well, what does that mean? Well, I would never say to, to you all or anybody else that, you know, we should liken our neighborhood to be the same neighborhood that the Big Ten, the SEC, the Big 12, the Pac-12, and the ACC sit in. Uh, the economics that flow through the system at that level are just very different than the economics that flow at, at any other level across intercollegiate athletics. And so um, I think as long as we all across the division can commit to that big tent experience and staying under that big tent, then I think division one can be successful in the future. There's going to be things that we're going to have to address. There are pressure points at the highest levels of intercollegiate athletics that are very real. And in order for us as all 350 to stay together, you know, there may need to be some concessions that are that are made across the entire division. I think the transformation committee report is that first step. How do we elevate in student athlete experience items? But there may be a next step, next iteration. Uh, I referenced the congressional engagement subcommittee um, and trying to help us a little bit um, govern intercollegiate athletics, um, not by 30 plus different state laws, by hopefully kind of law of the land, federal legislation potentially that can help us operate, knowing that we still need to be focused on the student athlete experience and what can we give back to them. So um, I, I think we're we're in a good position. I think um, a lot is um, yet to be understood. And, you know, maybe the next couple of years we will understand more. But again, I, I feel confident that the Summit League will be in a good spot moving forward. I know we said three questions. Can I do like a little 2B really quick just to follow up on that? Josh, you mentioned elevating the student experience. Could you talk maybe a few specifics of things that have been discussed in that conversation of how you do that from a summit league level and from a big tent level in the NCAA? Yeah, so I think, um, let me let me start on on the on the big tent side of, of things. So, uh, you know, we have, we have mental health challenges across our entire society. This isn't a unique challenge that's facing our collegiate athletics, but it is facing intercollegiate athletics uniquely. And we've had some very tragic stories of, about student athletes taking their own lives over the past few years across the entire country. And a lot of that tied back to challenges that, that they were facing in their own life through mental health. And so, you know, there's a reinforced emphasis on student athlete well-being and that they're they're not just commodities, so to speak, and that they're humans and that they go through challenges whether it be mental health challenges, physical health challenges. And so how do we provide services, programming, uh, support in areas like mental health, physical health, whether it be kind of more athletic training, um, doctors, medical support, or even strength and conditioning from a safety standpoint. Um, there has to be some minimum standards that are, are set in those areas. And so that's a big focus. Um, rightfully so, out of the Transformation Committee that will come across kind of the entire association. And so, you know, us as a Summit League will have to assess, you know, what is it that our institutions are already doing across some of those areas? Because we are doing a lot of it already. Uh, where are there some gaps? 
there may be gaps across all 10. There may be gaps for certain institutions, but maybe not so much other institutions. And so we play a role, Alex, in, in helping our institutions figure out this is what the national standard says what it is, or we believe what it is. How then do we help our institutions get there to implement uh, the necessary things to, to be there? Um, another thing nationally, which I'm not sure that you'll see quite as robustly um, right away, because I think it's tied to the Congressional Engagement Subcommittee, is how do we continue to provide more financial support to our student athletes that's tethered to education? Um, you know, you're seeing things like cost of attendance being a part of scholarship or calculating a scholarship that's been in place for a while now. Um, you're seeing things like Alston Awards and in particular the A5 providing Alston Awards, um, uh, which is tethered to some academic uh, requirement to be able to receive Alston. Um, you're seeing things like uh, post par uh, participation graduation funds that could be available for a student athlete that maybe is left for professional reasons coming back to finish his or her degree. Um, things like that, that we would call it financial support for student athletes that's kind of tethered to this co-curricular educational athletic experience. Because I think the industry, and I would be uh, in this camp as well, stop short of saying that that they're employees because we do provide this co-curricular experience that we think is important that's beyond just, again, being a commodity and, and being an employee. And so there's more to come on that because there's engagement with Congress. There's discussion nationally on ultimately how does that work? You know, what's the role of NIL? Um, you know, this is where we've got some challenge because we've got different state laws and how do we preempt state laws with federal legislation? You know, wh what's our what's our place regarding antitrust law? Um you know, I, I I think we would hope that we don't get to a point of, um, you know, professionalizing, which bring into things like revenue sharing, collective bargaining, things like that. But there have been people that have, have mentioned that maybe that's where we're headed. I think the industry overall would hope that that's not what we're, where we're headed. Because if I took you introspectively into the Summit League experience, I think the Summit League experience is a good experience. But I don't believe it's a quote unquote professionalized experience. I think because of the economics that flow through the system at the highest level, I think media, rightfully so, question whether we're moving towards a professionalized experience. And that's where we have great um, variance or discrepancy and stratification across the Division I world. And we've got to find ways, again, to exist under the Big Ten 350 institutions to be able to manage and, and, and not, you know, one of the things that we've been facing recently as an industry overall is constant litigation. You know, we've, we've got to find ways to have a good experience for our student athletes, a right experience that provides them what they deserve, but not to the extent that we're continuing to to face the litigation that we've been facing because that's obviously been very challenging for the industry. So, um, you know, hopefully there are a couple things in there, Alex, that that people can kind of grab onto as to maybe what is next and what are some of the specifics that could be coming. Appreciate that follow up, Alex. I, I think the pod reserves the right for a follow up. I, I think that's the <laughs> rules of engagement as we move forward. So, final question 
Josh, and I, I think it's a really simple one, but one that um, I know you and I have discussed a bit um, when you were transitioning from the NCHC to the Summit League, and I had said to you, wow, I think we have the best mid-major basketball tournament, both men's and women in the country. Part of that has to do with our awesome, uh, the sponsor of this pod, Midco uh, Sports and, and what they do with it. But just your 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 thoughts. I mean, because I think you went in and wow, you just, you saw it for the first time. Yeah, I was blown away. So um, first off, I would agree with you that I think it's the best combined men's and women's tournament experience across the country. And, and I say that in any level of 32 division one conferences and not everybody has a combined men's and women's experience, but those that do have combined men's and women's um, it's very, very impressive. Um, second, I would say there are a lot of people well in advance of me, former commissioner, Tom Dupel, our deputy commissioner, Mindy K. Larson, our staff, uh, vision of our member institutions, people like you, Bill, and others, athletic directors, SWAs, presidents, chancellors, FARs, that kind of saw what this tournament could become. And, and you made good decisions and put in work along the way to get it to where it is today. You know, we've got a good relationship with the Denny Sanford Premier Center in Sioux Falls, South Dakota. It's a market that supports it. Um, you know, we, we've seen great attendance um, kind of across the board uh, in the tournament, regardless of who's playing. Certainly matchups will drive uh, bigger crowds. I think that's not unique to us. Um, but our goal moving forward is how do we create a tournament experience that kind of is separate from the basketball games that take place on the court? I, I understand that people are coming to watch basketball and they're going to come watch great basketball. And that will always be there. But I want people, we want people to circle the dates on their calendar and say, this is an experience that I want to be a part of because number one, my favorite school is going to be there. My favorite team is going to be there. And oh, by the way, it's just a great experience to be a part of um, because the Summit League and their member institutions put on a good show. And so I was no doubt blown away. I saw it obviously for the first time and heard about it um, and the success that you've all had prior to me coming into the role, but 2022 was my first time. And maybe a little bit of right ingredients, right matchups with some, some USD, SDSU, men's and women's matchups and semifinals and finals there. So, um, but, but, but we don't necessarily apologize for that because I think it ultimately goes back to what is the experience that we want our student athletes to have through championships. And I understand that some institutions are not necessarily located as close to Sioux Falls as others. I respect that. I, I, I get their, their point on it. But I think us as a membership will continually have discussions about what's in the best interest of our student athletes and their experience in a championship. And right now, um, I think our championship experience uh, in the basketball tournament is, is pretty darn impressive. And so, you know, I just hope to, to be a small contributor to continue to build on something that's already been been built to a pretty successful level. Any follow-up on that, Alex? I was, I mean, it's just around the corner. I mean, that's the crazy thing. Like that, Yes, it is. That first it Friday is. in March, it's going to be here before. We're we heavy into operational planning at this point, I can tell you that. Yeah, I can imagine, yeah. But with Mindy Kay, you guys can appreciate this. She is on it, and she knows how to run it like the back of her hand, so... <laughs> 
No doubt. The, 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 you're, you're exactly right. What, what Commissioner Duple, staff and others you know, put together uh, uh, should be really, really proud of. Now, the question is, how do we how do we advance it? How do we take it to another level? And, and you're right. I think uh, with an, kind of an all comers scenario with 10 schools, I think it's the right decision because you have to make sure all teams or schools are represented. And uh, so you have the first day. And you know what? Here's here's the deal. Everyone's going to be shooting at minimally for sixth i mean who who wants to play that first day uh that would be nobody yeah seven through ten will play on friday and as you said then you know those that are sitting there saturday and sunday are waiting you know it's interesting bill i i I wonder if we will have a discussion about just general format um because you know you and i have heard this from coaches before you know first game in the tournament arguably is the hardest game right it is just kind of the feel of it is different and the view of the venue is different and the depth on the, on the, on the, the hoop and the basket is different just because of a new venue. And you have a team that has just come off winning a game the day before that has already had that experience and feel in their first game now playing a team that is going to do it for the first time. And so I don't know. I don't know. It'll be interesting to see kind of what, what discussions will come from that, but but my comment would always be uh, to whomever it might be that we're having conversations with trade places with the team. Then I guess right. on Friday, exactly. you want to do that? <laughs> well, no, I don't want to do that either. There's a chance we could lose. Okay. Yeah, got exactly. It. Got it. Yeah. 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 So, would you rather be the one or the two seed and play on Saturday or the A seed and it's going to play on Friday? I think we know the answer to that. That's right. Well, Josh, we really do appreciate you jumping on and uh, we knew you'd be a wealth of knowledge and uh, look forward to seeing you down in San Antonio. And uh, we'll see what the see what the division has to. I, I, I'm i bullish on uh, Charlie Baker. I think he was a great hire and uh, really excited to uh, to see what he can do. It just might be a really, 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 really hard task that he has, but we just need to try to support him as best as we can yeah we're rooting for him we'll support him um i have an opportunity to to meet with him with a small group of commissioners here in a couple days so i'll be interested to hear what he has to say so but i'll look forward to seeing you down there and thank you guys for the time oh thank you josh safe travel south best of luck as you kick off your number two thanks guys appreciate it Big thanks to Josh Fenton, Commissioner of the Summit League. We appreciate his time and his candor on some big issues that are affecting the Summit League institutions and the NCAA as a whole. Just to get Josh's perspective, he's really thoughtful and he sits in all of those commissioner meetings and um, he does a wonderful job of communicating with us in uh, in the Summit League and um, gets us, you know, just understanding the issues of the day. And we've had many issues of the day. And, uh, and I, I think as we continue into 23 right now, uh, Division One seems like it, it's it's evolving at a pretty quick clip right now. And so we have to continue to make sure uh, that we're positioning uh, University of North Dakota as best as we can and the Summit League and uh, any of the other conferences that we're in. Yeah, no, I would agree. So, well, he's obviously done a phenomenal job in whatever role that he's been in his time with the NCHC and now at the summit. That was a great hire and he's done a great job continuing to move that league forward. And we're excited to see what comes next. It's it's going to be a bright future um, for this league with him at the helm. So a couple things. Speaking of the conference that we were just talking about, UND men's and women's basketball very much now in the middle of conference play. A couple of weekends in now as the calendar is flipped, we got to see some of those inter-Dakota rivalries 
take shape over the last week and a half or so. Ton of close games for both the men and the women. Unfortunately, not none of them came out in a Fighting Hawk victory. But it, just kind of assess what you saw over the last two weeks or so since our last pod with some tight, tight losses to other good schools in this conference. For sure. Uh, really, really uh, difficult couple of games for the men. Um, just can't could not get over the hump and uh, you know, to lose two games by a combined three points uh, was, was really, really difficult. And uh, you know, as I said to coach Sather, you know um, just got to keep grinding right now, just keep putting in the work head down and uh, you know, better days are ahead, better results are ahead. I do believe that for this team, but uh, it was, um, it was tough, tough last week for sure. And, uh, and then the women um, you know, I, I, I think, you know, we knew uh, that it was going to be incredibly difficult. The three uh, Dakota uh, games in a row on the road, and uh, you know, two of the three could have gone uh, kind of either way. Mm-hmm. Um, South Dakota State got after us pretty hard on on Saturday, and I think uh, in talking with Coach Bernhard, you know, we've just got to clean some stuff up. I think there were some detail uh, assignment issues that just they got loose. And I'll tell you what, when when they score in triple digits in a 40 minute game, um, there's a lot of things that need to be cleaned up at that stage. So a lot of our um, uh, players that have uh, now seen the bar uh, uh, that that has not seen it before, I think gives them, uh, you know, the thought process of what needs to get done between now in the tournament that we were talking about. Yeah, SDSU, USD, NDSU, they'll all come to Grand Forks here. Really, in just a couple of weeks, those reverse fixtures for the women come thick and fast. And of course, the men will go to Vermilion and Brookings and Fargo, et cetera, here in the in the weeks to come. But yeah, definitely early in the season, the women now two and three in conference, the men 0 and four. A couple of home games on the way for Mal and company. They'll take on Omaha and Denver this week before hitting the road to KC and Oral Roberts. Then just the flip for the men coming up with road trips to Baxter and Magnus and then Kansas City and ORU coming here uh, in two weeks' time. Uh, hockey, by the way, just finished up the first section of a long home stand. Pretty successful weekends against Lindenwood. Some exciting games, some late drama, but two really big wins for this team. That now all of a sudden is up to 16 in the pairwise. And just really right back, if they continue doing this, are going to be very much in, in line for an at-large berth to the NCAA tournament. Yeah, I, you know, I it's interesting how hockey works with uh, very, very objective, right? Statistical analysis of whether you get in or you get out. And it was pretty clear. And, and it's, it's one of the few sports truly, I think, in the NCAA that you could really talk openly, can't drop one of these games. I mean, I, you know, and I, I don't think it's necessarily um, putting anyone in a bad spot. It's just being incredibly transparent about what the result would be with a loss versus a win. And as we know, a, a three, two win or a four, two win, it doesn't matter. A regular season win is a regular season win. And I think our team um, fully um, embraces what's ahead of them. And they know each week's going to be a challenge. And I thought Lindenwood played, you know, to to who they are. And uh, and they they got ahead. And uh, every team wants to get ahead, and certainly in, in, in hockey. But I think it really helps them when they are, uh, you know, when they when they're kind of grinding and blocking shots at a rate of about twenty plus per game, and they're up, say, a goal or two. It can make it difficult and sometimes even frustrating for the opposition, but we fought through, fought through great weekend for Tyler Clevin. uh, And, uh, 
hell, you know, obviously defenseman of the week in the NCHC, but um, I, 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 you see the development in his game right now. It's the kind of the well-rounded game. We know that he's a, you know, he's a load in the back and uh, difficult to play against when someone's coming over the blue line, but he adds in now the offensive side to his game. And uh, that's got to be exciting for the uh, Ottawa Senators. Yeah. He's a really skilled player. And this is something we saw the third game of his career. He scored a highlight reel goal in the pot against Western Michigan, where he dangled a guy and fired one in. And it was like, oh, we talked so much about Jake Sanderson as the guy with this offensive skill and the skating ability. And Tyler has that too. We just haven't quite seen it as consistently over the course of his three years in Grand Forks. But obviously this weekend's we did. It's some special plays. He scores four goals in two games, the game winner both nights. And as you said, they were games from a pairwise perspective that you could not lose if you wanted to give yourself a chance at an at-large. And this North Dakota team found a way. And that says something. They've done, they've done that now, including at the end of December, to go into the exhibition game against the national team. And now Lindenwood, in a first half where they found ways to lose, now they're starting to find ways to win here in the second half. And that's going to bode well for this group as they take on a very good Western Michigan team coming up this weekend before hosting Minnesota Duluth the following weekend. Agreed. And I, I think, you know, you're managing your schedule as you're going forward right now. You you, you just know, you know, there's certain weekends where, um, and again, I, I don't think this team needs to run the table per se, but you need to be really thoughtful to some degree on where potentially, if you have the bump in the road, you want the bump potentially to be somewhere in the same vicinity as you. Now, having said that, someone will question, well, no, no, you don't. You want to beat them so you just get ahead of them. I get it, but there's a lot, a little bit different from a mathematical situation should we have encountered an issue over the weekend. And that's just it. it, it there's some permutations there and it's all going to go into a big computer. And, and the goal here is just to win as many games as you can. And you, you can't lose, you can't lose once the teams that are down at the bottom because they're going to be like a millstone around your neck, dragging you down. And this is a great opportunity this weekend to take on a team that is above you in, in Western, who's right around that 13, 14 spot right now in the pairwise and also is above you in the, in the, in the NCHC standings. Now that comes back into play. So a ton to play for this weekend, for sure. That's a hundred percent right, Alex. And I think as we're grinding through now the rest of the year, I think, the the idea at this stage of the game too is to secure home ice too and and there's such a you know there's such a uh not much of a difference between where we sit in the standings right now and let's just say even third place at this stage so at the end um you know again incredibly cliche but you know we can only take care of business on friday at this point in time and that's it that's all you can do like we cannot play two games on friday can play one that's all you can do looking forward to it. It it should be a lot of fun for sure. It was funny. So this last weekend was the first weekend that I was not there at at the Ralph for a home game. We started CBS Sports Network coverage of the NCHC, but it was fun to get to watch from a distance and sort of just be a fan and just enjoy the games and suffer with with everybody else as things were happening late in those contests. But it's, uh, it is just going to be fun to see this team continue. Again, they, they just, they have a knack this time of year, this coaching staff, this group of guys, this program, they just seem to rally and find a way. And then this weekend was cool to see that come to fruition. Yeah. So, so a little, uh, a little peek into, I guess, uh, the chair that I sit is, uh, I think where I am in life too. Like now I think I've always been fairly, 
um, how should I say one-sided? I, 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 I haven't been very rounded in life. Two of my children have made me more rounded and appreciate the arts. Um, but I, I've been pretty dialed into the world of athletic sports, whatever you want to say. And I think as they grow older and I just now really are just all in on the things that I do here. Um, yeah. If you could just appreciate the game for the game itself, you know, we had some really tough ones out of the Betty and, you know, and and it didn't go our way. And, but the games themselves, you know, were, were just amazing, you know, competitions. And, and then the games do go our way at the Ralph, but there's, they're nonetheless still amazing competitions. And, uh, um, but, you know, obviously if you're playing them, you want to win them. And uh, certainly that's what we're here for. And that's what we're trying to uh, work towards every, every day. It's going to be a challenge uh, against Western. I mean, with us uh, having just played them in Kalamazoo and uh, certainly did a nice job there. uh, You know, we're going to get, usually sometimes you get the Saturday push. If a team ends up say dropping a Friday, we're going to get the Friday push. Game time seven, you know, seven Oh seven. Yeah. There there you go. Got to start. Seven Oh seven and six Oh (laughs) seven. Yeah, big series against the Western team that won the Great Lakes Invitational over Christmas. They were off last week, so they'll have a little extra little extra rest or maybe a little extra rust. Oh, we'll see. You never know. We'll, we'll see what happens this weekend, but that's a good hockey team coming into the Ralph, so get out and support this weekend. Yeah, it should be fun. Fun couple of games on the way with the Broncos. Indoor track and field has been off since the beginning of December. They'll kickstart the sort of quote-unquote second half. They're really their their season really gets going this weekend in Fargo. They'll be in Brookings next weekend as well as they continue to build toward the indoor championships. A couple other sports really just kind of gearing up for their spring season. Softball not ready to begin yet. Golf kind of the same thing. Just some of those things are still at arm's length. Anything else going on around the athletics department right yeah, now? Yeah, you know, tennis is starting to kick off as well. Mm. So just go to fightinghawks.com and go into the – right on the, that front page, uh, there's a calendar um, button, if you will. And, and, and that is kind of really slick. And if you're, not, you, if you're not using that, because really you go in and you just put the date on there, but then it's got all the links for how to either watch or listen or follow the games. And so a little, little shout out to our, our to our website and, uh, and, and going there, that makes it a little bit easier. Fightinghawks.com, good place to go. Bookmark that thing. Just have it come up. I mean, <laughs> someone could do that for you. Somebody could. It's easy. Easy to make it your homepage. There you go. Good thing. That's that's good advice. Good IT advice. These are the little things that the pod likes to to just kind of make sure. In 23, have that be your homepage. There you go. New Year's resolution. A couple of bigger NCAA topics before we go full B-side. College football, as Josh Fenton mentioned, wrapped up this past weekend. We knew it was going to be a Missouri Valley victory, no matter who won on Sunday down in Frisco. The Jackrabbits pull off a pretty impressive victory. And then on Monday, where, where we saw sort of one dynasty, maybe at least pause at the FCS level, we saw perhaps another one really extend with Georgia running all over TCU 65-7 last night, Bill. What did you make of the national title games in those two divisions? Start with Sunday. Uh, congratulations to the Jackrabbits and congratulations to the Missouri Valley Conference. It is uh, it is the bar in, in, in FCS football. It is. Um, you know, interestingly, uh, three of the of the last four years we've made the playoffs. And uh, if you look back uh, only 11 schools out of the 125 have made the playoffs uh, three of the last four years, the two that played on Sunday and us are just the Valley schools. So uh, what's interesting is, so 
that's good, but there's still a little bit further we need to get to. And I think that's what the conversation is being, uh, you know, had here in Grand Forks. How can we continue continually uh, assist that program to get to the level that uh, we all want to see uh, happen? Right. I mean, I think we all want to wear a cowboy hat. So at the end of the day, that's, that's, I think where uh, we want to head, but I think with the facilities that are things that are happening with the facilities right now, uh, the coaching staff stability, the um, fact that I think we're recruiting very, very well right now. We got a few uh, transfers coming in as well that I think will help us in, in key areas. Uh, excited for next year, but you know what, Alex? Each year's its own, right? Like, and but we've got some uh, six home games next year. That's exciting. So uh, um, we're we we're already looking forward to the twenty three season. It is fun if you're a UND fan to see some of the parallels between SDSU's rise to where they've gotten now to what UND has done, where the Jacks were kind of that team that found a way to get into the postseason but didn't always you know, get to the quarters or get to the semis, but they got a taste and they continued to build and they took steps and then they made a title game and lost and then finally got over the hump this year. And I think that's maybe, a, and again, same thing, solid coaching staff built on quality human beings you know, from this part of the world that recruit people from this area, but also have gotten success going from outside the region. And like, there's just so many parallels, I think, that you could make. The facilities there improved. North Dakota's facilities have as well. I think there's also the sense, too, that there's there's patience required, but progress has been made. And eventually that program got to the ultimate goal. And I think UND is very much on that trajectory as well. Yeah. And so, and I'm just going to talk about it very matter of factly is the fact that how important it is to have home games. I mean, how important it is to be a seed and then have home games is incredibly important. So that's the next really step, Alex, on a consistent basis. How can you become a seed so that you don't have to play that first weekend? Talk about the basketballs, right? Uh, Not playing on that Friday. Well, if you don't play the first weekend, you can't lose. can't lose. And and oh, and then you have to play a team that has just played, which I would say this, in my opinion, watching the Weber State Montana State game, Weber having to play us the week before and kind of escaping out of there, you know, was was certainly good for Montana State. <laughs> yeah. It played a factor. Yeah, it played a factor. It does. And that's, that's a good way to approach it. And I'm sure those are the the expectations now, or at least the goal. That's one of the big check marks, I'm sure. Just like for hockey, it's, hey, finish top four in the league so you have home ice for the first round. For football now, it becomes, how can we get in that top eight? And if they change the way that things are formatted in the playoffs or whatever, whatever that is that gets you a bye or gets you at home for a round or two, that becomes then the big box on top that you want to check right below. Yeah, I have heard nothing about like expanding the, the playoff field. So I think we're at 24. I think that's a good number for 125 schools that play. I think that's great. I think it's just, I just hope there's conversation and I'll find out when I'm, going down to the convention, can we potentially get to 16 seats? It, it, there, there's a there's a financial component to that that we have to work through, but I think people are willing to work through that and then also understand it. Then the question is, does it get voted on and does it pass and all those other types of things? But I think that's the one tweak that would be really helpful. Yeah, well, things to watch for that might come out of this, this week, potentially, or could, at least the conversation could get started.
I think conversations because ultimately it'll end up football oversight will have a little bit to do with this. They actually meet uh, this week as well. And then um, and then the committee itself is going to have to meet sometime, I think, in January, but not this week. And so 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 more to come. But I do think it'll be a, a topic, certainly if it's not a, an official topic of conversation, there'll be conversation occurring among myself and my counterparts because I'll bring it up. Yeah. <laughs> Never shy about trying to push the agenda, which is good. This, that's something that needs to be discussed. Should we do a little flip part three? Yeah, let's do a quick flip. And, uh, you know, this will be a, probably a short flip, but let's talk. Uh, let's talk a little soccer right now. <laughs> let's talk FA Cup. The magic of the FA Cup. I got a text uh, on Sunday morning from Bill and from Paul Ralston discussing Stevenage and <laughs> a variety of other teams that the the average layperson will have no idea where they're located or who they are. Uh, you really enjoy the FA Cup, don't you, Bill? Well, yes, it, it, for a variety of reasons. And um, I think it, it, it really is the ultimate um, David Verth versus Goliath. It's it's the underdog story. It's the opportunity for a, 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 a club that otherwise would never be able to host a, a, a team from the top level. Uh, you know, imagine the Yankees coming and playing at Red River High School. I, I, you know, I, I mean, truly, yeah. they, they're, they're, the Yankees are coming to Craft Field. I mean, that's that's kind of what we're talking about here. I mean, and uh, I love it. I love the the stadiums tucked in the neighborhoods. I loved the camera going and it said food kiosk. It just said food kiosk. And it, but it what? But the door wasn't up. So I wondered why they were not selling concessions at that point. They had a great crowd, but it was really tight, I think, in the walkways. So maybe they couldn't do that. So it, it is really awesome. Today, Borumwood is going to be playing. I have no idea what a Borumwood is, but I'm going to find out um, when they play, which will be awesome. And I, I think the other thing, Alex, and I haven't seen this yet, but it's kind of back to the uh, Sunderland till I die, but welcome to Wrexham. So Ryan Reynolds, right, has purchased Wrexham and they are not in one of the top four leagues in England. They're in the league right below it. And uh, they've made their way, I think, to the fourth round of the FA Cup. And that's an exciting story. Yeah, it, it is fun to see, as you said, these incredible underdog teams, which are not necessarily fully professional. You've got guys that are working as a butcher or do the guy that delivers your mail and then they play on these teams on the weekend and you have a chance if you continue to win and you have to win a lot of matches but you can get drawn in with Chelsea or with Spurs or with Man United and it's it doesn't happen very often but when it but typically once a year maybe you get a lower division team playing a Premier League team and hosting potentially because it is just a coin flip to who gets to host and it's just life life changing stuff it's really fun to see it's such a big deal that that the history of that cup i mean it's just it really really is and the premier league teams will get dropped in like in the third round and so so at the end they they do get some buys along the way but they're treated no different than uh if a team like marine who was in the eighth league you know they won the coin flip so tottenham had to pack up and uh, head to marine yeah, just crazy. But and it's it's such a financial boon for those teams. Honestly, some of those teams you'd much rather would go play 
at White Hart Lane because then you split the revenue. And if you are playing at a facility that holds 500 people or Old Trafford, which holds like 90,000, you probably would just rather go play at Old Trafford than host Manchester United. But it is so cool, though, that they do have the opportunity to get to bring these people to their community. And you have these global superstars who are playing in the World Cup. And here they are playing on the same pitch that, you know, (laughs) the pub team plays on. It is pretty wild. Pretty, pretty wild. Of all of the uh, other tournaments that go on during, I'll call it the regular season of what the normal club premier league is the one that seems really kind of a little made up to me is the league cup how old is that like the caribou cup it seems like that it seems like if you have the fa cup do you really need that that one as well most other countries do not have two domestic cups so if you are in spain you have the copa del rey and that's it that's that's your that's your cup and same thing with italy it's the copa italia in germany it is the dfb pokal they have one France and England have two. You know, they've got the League Cup and they've got the FA Cup. I, you know, France has, I can't even remember what the two cup competitions they've got domestically. But that is one of the big things when foreign managers come to England. They're always like, wait, what? We have this other thing we have to do too? You're kidding me. And it does provide an extra opportunity to win a trophy. Liverpool did this last year. They won the Carabao Cup. They also won the FA Cup. You know, they, it, was a, it was a double. They did the double, even though they didn't win the league or they didn't win um, the, the Champions League. But it is an extra strain on your players. And you do see a lot of teams take the League Cup and use it as a chance to play the kids. And if you lose early, honestly, it's probably okay. And if the kids can win and get you to the quarters, now they're at the quarterfinal stage now. eh, You know, you're only three wins away from winning the whole thing. Now you can start to take it more seriously. But typically, that is the one that's on the back burner that doesn't quite get the attention or the love as the FA Cup, or certainly the Champions League. Well, and and because truly the FA Cup is the oldest, right? I mean, yeah. that is historically, I mean, if you see some of the documentaries of, you know, the older clubs back in the 1800s, 1800s I, yeah. I think it was the FA Cup, right? That started mm-hmm. this whole thing. Yeah, this is 19th century stuff. I mean, this, this has been a trophy that's been around for a long, long time. And typically every year... The conversation is, is the magic of the FA Cup dead and should we be doing this anymore? Because it used to be, if you looked back at like, even as recently as like the 70s and 80s, this was the competition that everybody wanted to win. And over the course of the 90s with the advent of the Premier League and how the Champions League got bigger, all of a sudden now it went from like, you'd rather win the FA Cup than the league to now it's like, well... You want to win the Champions League, you want to win the Premier League, and then, uh, okay, we won the FA Cup, great. It's sort of become almost a little second citizen, but it still matters, and it still has been around for over 150 years. And it does still provide these incredible moments sometimes of these lower division teams shocking the Giants, or at least even just (laughs) playing with the Giants, scoring a goal against the Giants. In no other competition is that possible. It's awesome. And, and again, I, I to, to just reiterate, it's amazing. A lot of these uh, players at that lower level, of course, have another job. So they're literally balancing, right? It's almost, you know what it's like? It's like an actor and actress, right? They're trying to, they're trying to continue on with their, their soccer career, but they've got to make ends meet. And so that's kind of how it all goes. And what Jamie Vardy might've been probably the one that was probably the poster child for making it up the ladder, if you will. Yeah. Cause he was fourth division at one point and somehow got noticed and slowly made his way up. And then he's winning the Premier league with Leicester. 
it's, and playing for England. I mean, like, it's just amazing. So those, those stories happen, not very often, but you can do it. And this is sort of a vehicle to catch somebody's attention when you're playing in the Northern League or the second division. I mean, it's just, it's amazing. So yeah, something to watch for. So as, as we sign off, um, go Borumwood. <laughs> I'm not sure what their mascot is or what, what we say, but, but yes, go Borumwood. It would be fun to see. Long, long live Borumwood. As we are t- recording this right now, and they're going to play, I think, let's make it up, 215 Central uh, today. I don't even know if they're home or, or on the road. Uh, I have no idea where they are in England. The only thing I know about them right now is they're Borumwood. <laughs> so, and I know they're in the National League. Nice. That's what I know. The great thing is you can watch these matches on ESPN+. Plus. I believe that they, they've got all those matches on. So if you want to get into this, we're only in the fourth round. you got a, you got a ways to go. They won't crown a champion until May. So plenty of time to get into the magic of the Football Association Cup in England. Good way to end the pod today, our first one of the new year. Big thanks again to Josh Fenton for jumping on. Three-plus questions with Josh. That'll be a fun segment that we're going to do with, with, with people from around the world of, of the NCAA and of UND Athletics coming up in the, in the second half of this season. So great idea, Bill. Excited to have you back for another year. Excited to be a part of this for, for the second half of 2023. Yeah, absolutely. Happy New Year, everyone. Yeah, yeah to you as well. So on behalf of Bill and Josh, Uh, Alec Johnson and Paul Ralston on the back end. I'm Alex Heiner. Thanks again for listening. Get out and support these UND teams as they continue to make their push towards the postseason. And we'll talk to you in two weeks. Take care.